in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 648 now of the Ron and Don Show, and we are live in the Les Schwab studio. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? Hey, don't forget, Les Schwab, they're going to transition, right? We've been gathering food now through November 11th, and then once we get to November 11th on the other side of that, we're on Les Schwab, they actually start their toy drive, right? Yeah, this is something they do every single year that I love, and it's to make sure that every child in the state of Washington gets a toy during the holiday season. doesn't matter... Uh, which faith that you practice, uh, they want to make sure that every child gets a toy. So um, we will be telling you more about this as we go uh, through the holiday season. But I sure hope that if you have the means that you participate in the holiday toy drive. Yeah, I know a lot of you right now are saving for the holidays. You're thinking about how I'm going to spend my money. I know toys and I also know toilet paper. Uh, and tapioca pudding, everything with a T and the alliteration, don't you love it? It's all so expensive right now, you guys. So if you have a little extra this holiday season, you didn't get to participate during the food drive, hey, here comes the toy drive, okay? And we appreciate you helping out in advance, 84 locations uh, to serve you. Hey, coming up on the Ron and Don Show, I'm going to talk about a lesson I learned from my boy this week as we were driving to school. We always have these great conversations. He did a book report, and I'm going to share a little bit of that book report with you. And sometimes the wisdom of a child that doesn't have their filter on yet, uh, it is such a beautiful thing. And I'm going to share some of that beauty with you. Also, let's talk about a private investigator and uh, he follows cheaters around. I don't mean cheaters on their taxes. I mean cheaters when it comes to and he's going to tell you what he learned. Before we get to that though, let's get to this. Jeff Bezos is leaving. I just want to make sure as he leaves that we treat him a little better than we treated Russell Wilson. Ron, what say you about Jeff Bezos leaving? He said he's going to Florida to be more around his parents. Anytime someone tells me they're doing something to be, well, around your parents a little bit more, you think about it. This guy could be to Florida like that. He owns a rocket ship, right? He could be to Florida in minutes. He spends a lot of time out on his super yachts. He has properties all around the world. Do you think he's really moving to Florida because, well, his parents? Or do you think he's, quote, unquote, moving to Florida? Because uh, I imagine he's already spent a lot of time down in Florida. Uh, because of the wealth tax that is probably coming to the great state of Washington. Uh, yeah, I think it's very, very interesting that Jeff Bezos and a lot of wealthy people right now are leaving California, they're leaving Washington, and they're headed to Texas and Florida, where your parents are. I mean, I'm going to, I think there's one thing you left out of there of why, another reason why he's moving to Florida is Blue Origins, his space company, has uh, taken up some facilities at Cape Canaveral. And they, he is trying to compete with Elon Musk and build that company. For whatever reason, if you're a billionaire, you believe in science fiction and you want to have a rocket company. And so uh, him, uh, in reading the book on Elon Musk from Walter Isaacson recently, uh, they, he spends a great deal of time talking about this compa- 
competition between Musk and Bezos on the space programs and the, the jousting oh. that they've done. Huh. And Elon's been kicking Jeff's butt in terms of space. And so I think that that bothers uh, Bezos. And so he, I think part of the reason to be in Florida is to be closer to Cape Canaveral and the Blue Origin stuff. I, I also think that it, it's... He, he hasn't been, he's been doing the slow resignation in the same way that we see, you know, uh, Howard Schultz do it and Steve Jobs try to do it and Bill Gates try to do it, where it's like you built this thing from scratch. You recognize you get to a point where you're like, okay, it's time for me to, to, to resign or to move on. And so what they usually do is like, okay, I'm going to, I'm not going to be the CEO anymore, but I'm still going to be on the board. And it's like, okay. Maybe I'm going to be CEO again. And then we'll wait a minute. And they go back and forth. And we saw this with all of these guys. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to, they find different roles. I'm just going to be in charge of sandwiches or whatever. It's order. Right. And so then you, cause yeah. they, you don't want to give it up. Like you're sort yeah. of going, what is my next chapter going to be? So I think he's gone through a lot of that process and we got to remember, he's not from here. Uh, Jeff says he, he went to high school in Florida. Then he was in the Washington DC area born in, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And then he came to Seattle for yeah. a lot of different reasons to in start Amazon. Yeah. And so I, I, I look at it as, Hey, He's, he spent a good 20 something years here and, and he's going on to the next chapter. I think his, his girlfriend, um, wants to be in a sunnier climate. And that makes sense if he has the means to do it. To fly her helicopter. He can, he can still fly back here if the board needs him. Yeah. Uh, or if he wants to check in on, on, on stuff. But I, and I don't know how much on the wealth tax stuff because when you get to that level of wealth, you have the most sophisticated tax people in the world. Hmm. Um, you are able to minimize your taxes to such a degree. Well, Warren Buffett talks about this all the time, where he's like, I live in a state with income tax. The way I've structured it, I pay less tax than my secretary does. And so I think that Jeff Bezos and Elon and all these guys have structured their lives in a way. That's why you always hear this, like, when they say, oh, I'm only getting paid a dollar a year. It's like, that's BS in a lot of ways because they structure things in a way. He was only getting paid $82,000 a year, by the way. Yeah, so they, they structure <laughs> things in a way where, sure. for tax purposes where they are getting exercising stock options or they've gotten loans and this, that, and the other at very minimal rates so that they can keep their income tax low. I, I really don't think for Jeff that that has entered his mind. I bet his finances are structured in a way where he has the greatest tax advantages money can buy. Yeah, I just want to say this to people because I think sometimes, and I think of Jeff Bezos because I think a lot of people around here don't like him. They look at what he did in South Lake Union. They think it's atrocious. Uh, they think he, he's created the homeless problem, so on and so forth. And and I'll, I'll back up and talk about Russell Wilson. Uh, Russell Wilson leaving Seattle, and even though Seattle uh, struggled this last weekend, it's the reason why they have the team that they have right now because he left, created all these draft picks, and they didn't have any draft picks. Then they were stuck. So if they don't get those picks when Russell Wilson doesn't get overpaid in Denver, uh, then we don't have this young nucleus. And, and, and Pete Carroll, you can tell in his 70s now, is trying to create one last run. And, and think about this. When you reflect and look in the mirror, you know, Matt Hasselbeck moved away. He moved away. 
he took us to a Super Bowl. They didn't win, and he's gone. Most of that team, Sean Alexander, all those guys are gone. You go back to a lot of the great Mariners, even Ken Griffey Jr., he's gone. A lot of them are gone, right? Dan is still here. Jay is still here. Most of those guys, though, are gone. And so when I think of that team that actually won the Super Bowl, what's really unique is a lot of those guys are still here, right? They're still here. Uh, like they like this city. And one of the reasons they, they, they like this city is because this city uh, has changed over time. And it's a place where, especially those that live on the east side, they, they, they want to raise their families and they also want to invest in businesses here. Richard Sherman owns a lot of businesses here. And we saw him just open up that new sports bar over on the east side and all the wing domes those guys are a part of. Kyle Lock, uh, Tyrell Lockett is staying here as a real estate agent. He actually tried to get Russell Wilson's uh, a house to sell, which maybe you'll still get because the house hasn't sold yet. So, so anyway, think about what Russell did. He did go to Children's Hospital every Tuesday before he was Russell Wilson, right, as a volunteer. Uh, and down the road, who knows? Maybe, maybe he used that for his image, but early on, he didn't have an image. Nobody knew. Uh, and then I think about uh, the fact that we did win a Super Bowl and we almost won a second. People here think more about the Super Bowl we lost than the one we won. That's amazing to me. We think more about the one we lost than the one we won. And we've lost two and we won one, but we think more about that loss and Marshawn Lynch and how he got screwed. And I go back and look at how many times Marshawn Lynch was given the ball to get in the end zone before that play happened. So Marshawn had plenty of chances. With all that said, I hope history kind of self-corrects that. I hope we make up with Russell Wilson. Terry Bradshaw, I remember, leaving Pittsburgh. He wouldn't go back there because he thought the city hated him too. Uh, and Ron and I interviewed him one day on the radio, and he went out there with his daughters because he knew they wouldn't throw snowballs at his daughters, and they cheered for him. Uh, I know Brett Favre felt the same way when he went back to Green Bay because he went and played for the Jets and the Vikings, and how are they going to... So anyway, he's going to come back one day. I think he'll raise a 12th man flag, and hopefully we'll appreciate uh, uh, what he did, and hopefully his, his brain will come back down to earth a little bit too. And I think the same with Jeff Bezos. When you look at South Lake Union, that was a complete shithole. I used to live in that shithole, right? And so he went down there and not only did they take Amazon from the little hospital on the hill and they built that neighborhood, but they also built a lot of those buildings. And it is Amazon that is making their workers come back now. They're going to fire them in order to keep this city alive. Because if you're in another place and you rent those buildings and it's you just have the ability to pull up stakes, they're not doing that. They're making their workers come back, right? They're making my nephew come back because they want to make sure the area they help revitalize stays revitalized. And I also see now lots of money being thrown. Uh, and I don't know if it's, I shouldn't say being thrown, but more money now being spent on the homeless crisis that in South Lake Union, it did help create that because that's where a lot of the homeless lived in those abandoned buildings. And around Seattle anymore, if you see a building and it's abandoned where people used to live inside, they tear that building down because they know they can't, it takes forever to evict folks. So anyway, I appreciate him being here. I appreciate the businesses that have been built around that uh, in the beautiful city that Seattle is as well. Uh, and I wish him well on his way to Florida. So. Yeah, have fun down there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We will see you on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. 
Hey, you guys, Ron and Don here, Ron and Don Real Estate. Just want to emphasize to you, we have a lot of great realtor friends that just specialize in a neighborhood. So for a lot of my friends that work here in Queen Anne, if you're in Bothell, uh, they punt on that and they say, we're not the realtor for you. Or if you're down in Tacoma, they're like, yeah, we can't help. We don't drive to Tacoma. Ron and I drive to Tacoma. We drive to Bothell. In fact, I'm about to drive to Bothell right now. Ron, why do we drive to Tacoma and why do we drive to Bothell? It's bottom line is because that's where the Ron and Don Nation lives, right? Yeah, that's right. We, uh, of course, on the radio for, for many, many years. And so we want to go to where you are. It's a philosophy. We, we said we're going to meet you where you're at, whether that's geographically, even in your life phase of where you're at. Let's say you've just had a parent uh, that went into assisted living or passed away. That is where you're at. So we're going to meet you right there, put together a custom game plan for you to get you the best result we possibly can. And I got to say, we've been getting some really good results for people in the Ron and Don Nation this year and every single year we've been doing real estate. It starts with a sit down uh, that's a Zoom call that we're going to do with you to make sure we're a good team and then we're all aligned in the same direction. You go to ronandonsitdown.com. That's ronandonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. Did you read the story about the private investigator? I, you know what? I, I, I skimmed it, but I haven't read all the details. You have to give me the dazzling details. <laughs> well, I have to say, uh, private investigator was basically talking about what he learned about people that cheat. And I think what I learned about people that cheat is I think a lot of times if one partner's cheating, I think the other partner is cheating as well. I think they both know that. And then I think it comes down to, for a lot of folks that are married, for a lot of folks that have investments, for a lot of folks that have children, you start uh, maybe going down a road where you have the inability, the inability to really go through a divorce because a divorce today is so expensive without a prenup. And even if you have a prenup, a prenup is so challenged. Someone gets an attorney, you get an attorney. It ends up costing so many dollars and so many cents. So I think when you look at a story like this, you look at private investigators today, and I know a private investigator that does this. I think sometimes as couples grow older and the kids are still around, I think they look the other way. And then when I think the kids are gone and they think they become empty nesters, I think that's when they both decide. And by that time, maybe you've even created another life yourself. I think you both start trying to figure out, we've grown apart. We're not the same people we were in high school when we met, or certainly in our 20s and 30s. I think you kind of become that person for women in their 30s. I think men are probably into their 40s before they're the person that they kind of become. And so uh, sometimes it's just not one spouse that's cheating. It's both of them. And for a time, you kind of look the other way because how costly a divorce could be. Well, it reminds me, I think you sent me this video. There was a guy, and I think he was a divorce attorney. And it was really, it was a really yes. fascinating way to talk about it. He said, he, he was talking to, or talking about some of the clients. And he's like, tell me when you knew it was over. Right. And it was always, or the, in the examples they gave, it was something really small. The two I remember, uh, one was a woman said, I knew it was over when my yogurt stuff wasn't there. And he says, your yogurt? And he says, she goes, yeah, my favorite thing for breakfast was yogurt with these certain toppings, granola and some berries or whatever it was. And she goes, for years, my husband, when he saw that the supplies were going down, I never had to ask him. 
he would make sure that my yogurt supplies were ready to roll. He knew that was my thing. Um, when I got up in the morning, I would he could go in there and I just knew that the yogurt stuff was going to be ready. And like, she's like, I really loved that about him. And I knew that he was thinking of me because he, A, he paid attention to it. And then he would just go unasked. He would go get it done. She says, one day I went into the cabinet. I was going to have my yogurt and I opened it up and none of the yogurt supplies are there. Mm. And so she's like, I didn't say anything. And so the next day came no yogurt supplies. So she's like, I knew that our relationship was over mm. when he stopped caring about the yogurt. Mm. And then the, the other one that I remember is the, the guy asked him, Hey, when, when did you know it was over? And he's like, he stopped making me, it was either he or she, she stopped making me my morning coffee. Mm. And, uh, he's like, really tell me about that. And he's like, yeah, just like that was a thing that we had developed that they would make the coffee in the morning and they knew how I liked my coffee and the coffee would just be made. And it's not that, you know, I'm too lazy to make coffee, but they became a symbolic of, of the little things. And typically it's not a huge blowout or you catch someone in the act or there's some giant betrayal or whatever. Sometimes it is, but most of the time it starts with that thing where one person um, stops for whatever reason, their feelings get hurt. They run out of steam. They stop doing the little things and I, and they stop communicating about it. So probably the yogurt guy, if he would have communicated and said, Hey, like I just don't have the I don't have the, the the capacity to do this right now for a while or whatever. It probably would have been fine if he communicated about it. He just stopped, and she knew that something was going on. And I don't remember if there was infidelity yeah. in that in that. This, this divorce. What did you think? Because the divorce attorney said, "I believe in love," and and he said, and 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 he's he was actually in a situation where he's in love. He goes, "I don't necessarily though, especially without children." I don't necessarily believe in marriage. And then he explained where marriage came from and, and, uh, and the contract, the legal contract that, uh, that it actually is. And, and a lot of times people don't think about that. And you, I, I still see people on Facebook and they're romantically in love and then they're in their twenties sometimes or even younger than that. And then you get three, four years down the road and all of a sudden they're going at each other on, on Facebook and the, and the whole thing has been completely blown apart. He said, I, I believe in love, but I don't necessarily believe in the contract of, of marriage because as a, as a divorce attorney, the damage that I've seen it, that it does not to just one party, it does a lot of damage to both, especially when they both lawyer up. Because yeah. those lawyers know how much money you both have and they look in your bank account, and on both sides, with a wink and a nod, they're like, "We're just going to keep going on this case and signing declarations, and we're going to go back and forth." And then it's interesting once that money's out. That's usually when the lawyers decide, "Yeah, maybe this would be a good time to settle." I, <laughs> I think his his point was that you shouldn't go into it without understanding what it is. And he's like, "We have conflated, especially in America, that marriage is equal." 
to uh, uh, love and devotion. And he's like, those are not the same things. Marriage is a legal contract. Love and devotion is a decision. Oh, and, yeah. And That's like, That's right. you, you, you can have one without the other or you can have both. He's like, but at least know what it is. Mm. Uh, it reminds me a lot of when, you know, we do uh, our real estate deals. I go out of my way to try and do a training session with our clients to at least understand what the contract is. So when we use vocabulary like a contingency or a termination or, you know, earnest money, like these sort of things, I want you to at least understand the vocabulary and, and what it is that you're signing. Cause you know, it's most likely going to be the most, the biggest transaction you do in your life and sometimes well into the seven figures. And so at least understand it. You don't have to love the contract. You don't have to become a real estate attorney, but at least understand the, the terms. And, and his point on marriage is we don't, nobody explains the terms of the deal. Nobody explains uh, when you're dating, it's like, hey, do you want to enter a contract that's going to be for the rest of your life? Because it's not romantic to do this. It's a, right. Yeah, it, it shits it's going to be the wrong. rest of your life. Yeah. In that, uh, here are the terms of this deal. Um, if one of you wants out, everything that you earn while you're together is going to be split 50-50. Doesn't matter who earned what. And so uh, do you agree with those terms? And I think most people, when they're in that puppy dog phase, are like, well, no. Um, if you go into a, a relationship where the woman made 80% of the income and the men made 20%, I think most men would be like, no, she's, she's bringing in 80%. So I don't deserve 80% and vice versa. Uh, they wouldn't go, oh yeah, all of a sudden it's 50, 50 or Hey, when, when, uh, you owned a house before I met you. And then now all of a sudden I want half of that house. I think if you explain the terms going in that most people, when they're in that phase, wouldn't sign off on that. I have to say though, in taking care of a kid and my mom took care of four, I think uh, if one on the other hand is working and bringing money home, then I think you have to place a dollar amount on, on what it costs to raise those kids. So, of course. Yeah. And so all those things, but he's so, so the 80, 80, 80, 20, that, that, that doesn't necessarily fly in that case. If you, Correct. if you were the you man or, or the woman and you were like, I have a friend, he's a stay at home dad and he takes care of the kids a hundred percent of the time. And mom's a controller at a big bank. She makes a hundred percent of the money, but he does almost a hundred percent of the parenting because she works 12 to 14 hour days. Sure. And that's a decision that they made. So I don't, if something happened and I don't, if, and if they ever went to divorce court, I would, I don't think it would be fair to say, well, I made a hundred percent of the money. So no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying understand those terms. So in the, 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 at point least have of the courage lawyer, to have, have this, this conversation, right? Correct. Here. Yeah. And to go, what here, here's the thing that everyone's afraid of. What if it doesn't work? Because this is what I do with my partners who are my best friends and we are, we have contracts together. It, if this doesn't work, then this is what is going to happen. And, the, and this is, we don't have to go to court or go see attorneys because we have already agreed beforehand in, in a real estate transaction, for instance, that this is the remedy. If we run into this, this or this, people don't do that it's in a marriage It's the contract. only place, uh, the only situation in American life where statistically, you know, you have a 50% chance of failure. 56%. And yet no one wants to talk about a contingency. And plan. 85% of those people get married within a, within two years, the 56%. So so it's, it's, people it's, that like to get married, man, they like to get married. Yeah. <laughs> so all he's saying is, and I yeah. agree with him is like, if he goes, think about it another way. 
if you can't have that conversation with your significant other, do you want to be with them? Yeah. Uh, something I learned from my son at the breakfast table this morning is pretty profound. I'll share it with you in a sec. Hey, Ron and Don here with Mitch Weeks. You know him as Mitch.loans. Mitch, let's be honest, interest rates have been higher than they have been for the past couple years, but we're still seeing inventory. We're still seeing sales. What is happening right now if I just want to be a standard every day? I want to buy a house. Maybe it's my first house. Well, if it's your first house, there's still a lot of great products for first-time home buyers. You can put as little as 3% down. Often, with a little more negotiating now, you can also get a seller to buy down some of those costs that have come with being a first-time home buyer. And it's a great time to buy. Honestly, rent is 100%, as we've talked about. You're giving all your money to the landlord. Even if you're paying 8%, that is 92% better than what you're paying <laughs> with rent. It so, is. So uh, Mitch can help you out if you're a first-time buyer. Uh, you can go ahead and just go to Mitch.loans, talk to him, figure out if you qualify for one of these programs, and then start your real estate journey. You're not going to regret looking back in five or 10 years and going, wow, I could have bought in 2023. Why didn't I do that? So stop waiting, get in the game, go to Mitch.loans. All right, you guys, welcome back uh, to the Ron and Don Show. This week, uh, Ron and I have a very good friend of ours pass away. He's actually been on this podcast before. Uh, We talk about it on episode 646. Uh, if you'd like to hear more about a friend that uh, we call 55. Uh, so anyway, I was thinking about how am I going to have this conversation with my son? How am I going to have a conversation with him about death? Because uh, in my family uh, growing up, it's, 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 it's not something that we ever really talked about. It's something that happened. Uh, it's something that made us very sad and at times created a lot of trauma as a kid. I can remember my grandparents died in the trauma of that. Uh, my grandfather was a little more sudden. My grandmother, though, I remember going and seeing her for almost eight days, being with her. She was really beautiful about it. She she helped me as a young person. I was in my 20s at the time, accept her death. And in a lot of ways, uh, she was like a second mother to me. It was my mom's uh, parents. And my grandfather, without my father, uh, was like a, he was like, he was an amazing man and a, and a dad as well. So anyway, I was looking for some pictures of myself in 55. I was also looking for some pictures of Ron because we're all great friends. We've known each other uh, since we were in our 20s. We've done all kinds of cool things together from playing on stage together to riding bikes. And we talk about that in episode 656. And then a number of years ago, my son uh, started playing the trumpet at school. He was only eight weeks in. We were invited to a Christmas party over 55's house. It was so lovely when we all went over there and he told me, he said, hey, make sure your son brings his trumpet. And I'm like, you know he's only been playing uh, <laughs> for eight weeks? He's like, I don't care. He's a musician. I'm a musician. He said, tell him to bring his trumpet. I'm like, okay. So I, uh, we brought the trumpet and what we, and I'm going to play it here in a moment. What would you when you when you think of Gary Vero, 55, the kind of pianist, the kind of B3 player he is? Uh, would would you say he's 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 very accomplished and one of the most accomplished musicians here in Seattle? Certainly, uh, absolutely. I think he he's a professional. Um, and everything that that means when you, you think of Paul Schaefer, let's say, for instance, um, with David Letterman, he's, he's at that easily at that level, if not more capable. 
Yeah. But he, he's a professional musician. Yeah. So anyway, my my son has this great remembrance of Gary. And then a couple weeks ago, Ron went to see Gary, I think about a month ago. I went to see him a couple weeks ago. My son went with us. Uh, we sat with him out in their place on Woodby Island. We had a chance to interact with him, uh, watch some of his music. My son loved it so much. Anyway, let me let me let me play this for you. I'm gonna take you four years back. This is my son play, only playing the trump for eight weeks. It's Christmas time, and Gary sits down at the piano. And the cool thing about Gary and is there's he, about seventy five people at this party. Yeah, he he would uh, play with any. And Gary yells out, hey, he points to him. He's like, hey, Winks. So, That's great. Yeah. So so anyway, I wanted to have a discussion with my son about death and about, and about Gary's passing. But I didn't want it to be sad, and I didn't want it to be traumatic. And at the same time, if it created some tears or if he saw me cry, that's going to be okay, too. Because I think it's good that he sees uh, his dad have some emotion, but, but not in a traumatic way. And uh, so anyway, I went, I found some pictures. I was looking through pictures. Uh, some of those pictures are on my Facebook page. If you want to see them, Don O'Neill. Uh, and then, and then I put the pictures out this morning and, and we sat down and he was cracking up at these pictures. And some of the pictures are when Ron and I first moved up to Seattle. We both had really long hair. We're in our twenties. We're in a Dodge Colt. We're broken down on the side of the road. It's snowing out. I think uh, you'll probably remember that. Some of the pictures are with Gary when we're uh, in a Race Across America van where this radio show uh, actually started. And so we're going through these pictures. I showed him pictures of my grandparents. And I showed him pictures he had never seen before with my grandparents. I showed him my son's playing guitar now. So I showed myself playing guitar when I was, when I was, when I was his age. And then I explained to him about, uh, the sadness I felt when my grandparents died. And I said, you know, I'm feeling some of that same kind of sadness today. And then I was able to share with him that Gary had passed away. And so we had a very intimate, uh, beautiful talk and a beautiful moment together. Uh, and I'll leave that between my, my son and myself. And then we finished our breakfast. We got in our, we got in the truck and we're, we're driving to, uh, we're driving to school and we're going over, uh, some of the stuff he's going to be studying today. And he actually has a, a tutor that's helping him with algebra who, who Ron introduced us to Charlie from uh, California. And then, because he took a test the other day and he didn't do as well on it. He goes, you know, but I, I, re I really did a, a good job on my book report. And I said, you did? What did you do your book report on? He goes, I did my book report on, on, on Stephen Hawking. And I said, you did? And he goes, yeah. And I said, well, what did you say about his wheelchair? He said, oh, nothing. And I said, well, what did you say about his ALS? And he's like, uh, nothing. And I said, well, what was your book report about? And by the way, he got an A minus on his book report. So he's very proud of it. And he went into this whole thing about space. And he went into this whole cool thing about science, right? And he's sitting there and he's telling me about space and science. And the interesting thing is... Uh, when I, and I learned something from him today, because a lot of times when I think of my, my late sister, I, for, I, I forget what a great musician and a mom she was. 
And I also often think about the way she died with ALS herself and in that wheelchair. And, and so he told me, he goes, you know, just because he was in a wheelchair or just because he had ALS, I didn't want to focus on that. He goes, I wanted to focus on the thing that he did that nobody else could do. And I wanted to focus on his brilliance and I wanted to make sure that I told that story. And what my son was, was, was telling me in that moment, in his own way that a 13-year-old can tell you, is sometimes we forget when people we love and care about pass away and we think so much about the trauma of them passing sometimes and the way it makes us feel in our family and friends that we forget about the way that they lived. And that was really the message of his book report about Stephen Hawk. It wasn't about the wheelchair. It wasn't about his ALS. It was about his brilliance and his love for math and his love for science and his love for black holes that he told me all about this morning and his love for humanity. So I hope as you're listening to this, if you have gone through a really hard week, like we have this week, we've lost a really close friend. Uh, I hope as healing happens in your life that you will think less about the way they died and more about the way they lived. Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to The Ron and Don Show. If you need us, just reach out. John just did on my phone, and he said, hey, guys, I have a couple properties over in this particular neighborhood. Could you give me a price opinion? And so uh, we'll be sitting down and giving price opinions because uh, a lot of people are looking for price opinions right now as uh, we head toward not only the holidays, but also the spring market will be here before you know it. And the spring market, believe it or not, actually starts about the fourth week in January. Ron, if people need us, they can just reach out. Yeah, you can go to ronadonsitdown.com. We can uh, set up a 30-minute Zoom call, see if we vibe with each other and we make a good team. Uh, we do have buyer's guides and seller's guides uh, that we've written. You can email me directly, ron at ronadon.com. Or again, everything is available at ronadonsitdown.com. Yeah. Thanks for believing in us, allowing us to be your broadcasters, your friends, and your realtors. Thank you for helping us sell the sound. Chances are, if you're somewhere in the sound, Ron and I are going to be uh, deeply involved uh, in that transaction. And sometimes realtors just kind of take something. They go, yeah, we don't want to drive or get on a ferry. They just kind of hand it off. So we are here to help. So if you need us, even if you're around the state, we've had three other people this week reach us around the state. And so uh, again, uh, we are here for everyone that is part of the Ron and Don Nation. For Ron, myself, Charlie the dog, who's in the other room because he's sitting here licking. So we uh, put him over there. Uh, I want to thank everybody that works on this show, including Alex and including Paul and also including John and including my son that's about to take us out. You keep your head up and your shoulders back. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Ron and Don Show only on The Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet and we'll see you next time. Only! 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 On the Ron and Don Radio Network.